Hi there. All right. How's everybody doing? Welcome to Chicago Music Revealed. Of course, I'm Mike Jeffers, Chicago Jazz Magazine, ChicagoJazz.com, and the Director of Programming and Entertainment at the soon-to-be-opening Epiphany Center for the Arts. Now, I know I mentioned all week that we were going to have a special announcement this Friday, but we're going to hold off because tickets are going to go on sale next week, so I don't want to get everybody excited. But if you go over to EpiphanyShy.com, Get the information, sign up for the newsletter, sign up for all of the, uh, get all of the information that we're going to be sending out as far as our updated performances, which we're going to be rolling out six different music series every night of the week throughout the entire fall, COVID safe, and also on a live stream platform. So stay tuned for all of that information, but everything's at epiphanyshy.com and check us out on Facebook, check us out on Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff. So Next week, I'll have the announcements on everything. I promise. I promise. All right. Now, this is a very special day, as usual, because it is Friday. And as we normally do here on the Chicago Music Revealed show, we always have our Chicago Blues and Beyond hit with a special co-host, Dave Katzman. And today, it is a very, very special show because we have the blues legend, Jimmy Burns, is joining us by phone. So I've got everybody on the phone here today. So let me bring everybody's photos up. Jimmy, how are you? Fine. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And Dave, you there? I am fine. Everything's good. <laughs> all right. All right. We made it through another week here. Thank God. Everybody's staying safe. And How healthy. about it? Good goodness. So yeah. as we normally do, I'm going to turn this over to Dave. But, um, you know, Jimmy, it's an honor to have you on. And just, you know, I've seen you play over the years, obviously, numerous times. Um, through Chicago Jazz Magazine. I've done a lot of business with Bob Kester when he owned Delmark Records, so your name always came up back then. So, I mean, it's an honor to have you on, and thanks to Dave Kassman for setting this up. So, Dave, why don't you take the sure. reins on this, and uh, and we'll kick it off here. All right. Well, um, first off, hi, Jim. How are you again? Everything good? Everything is cool. All right, all right. Well, Jim, you know, this uh, show, there's a lot of people who are just getting turned into, turned on to the blues, or not, they, of course, have heard blues, but turned on to knowing some of the people in the blues, and uh, what I kind of like to start out with is uh, you give us a kind of condensed history of Jimmy Burns and how uh, he came to be here at this point, Delmark recording artist uh, in Chicago. So it's all yours. Why don't you give us a little insight? Uh, yeah. Am I supposed to talk now? Yeah, you are. I just asked you to kind of tell everybody who you are. Okay, yeah, okay, here I am. Uh, well, well, I first got introduced to Del Mark in '96 uh, uh, when Bob, the owner, the president of the company, came down to Smoke Daddy down on the Vision, and I was playing with uh, Rockin' Johnny and the Laser Boys. And uh, Bob liked me, and through uh, Scott Dirks, we got hooked up some kind of way. And uh, the rest of it is history. I'm still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've had the fun of mixing with uh, Mr. Steve Wagner, our good friend. Uh, I co-mixed a couple of your albums with him, and it, it was always great uh, to go in and mix my friends. <laughs> I can't think of anything better to do in a studio. But uh, I was kind of asking uh, how you how you got started in all this, and you know you came out of a kind of doo-wop and soul kind of thing, and uh, a lot of people do not know that, and also don't know your ties to people like you know Curtis Mayfield and Major Lance and people like that. So if you oh, can kind of yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, but uh, there's people that need to know this, Jim. <laughs> people like that, I go back over. Uh... 60 years. Yeah. When I was a teenager living, I'm still, I'm still on the near north side, but more west. But I grew up around what they call downtown. Now we didn't call it that back then. I grew up on the corner of uh, Oakland Wells and Oakland LaSalle, LaSalle and Division, mm -hmm. uh, Kenmore and Armitage after I got married uh, to my first wife. But, uh, I started out when I first got in the city uh, 65 years ago doing uh, gospel music. I was living on the on uh, LaSalle, Oakland LaSalle at the time. And that was in 
55, so right around 58, uh, I left gospel and joined a doo-wop group right around 59, the Medallionaires was the name of the group. And they had a record out on Mercury at the time called uh, Magic Moonlight. I was like 16. I was the youngest member of the group. And in the neighborhood I lived in, I knew uh, uh, I went to school with Major. And his, his daughter now is the mayor of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. And uh, we all lived in the same neighborhood. They were down in Cabrini. And I lived within walking distance about, what, I live in Oakland Wells. They, they were down like around Hudson and uh, Oak Street in uh, Cabrini Green Row Houses, which is still there. Because mm -hmm. uh, they they hadn't yet built the, the high rises. The high rises, right. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I used to rehearse over on... Uh, Elm and Orleans, Orleans. That's what we used to have rehearsed. Everybody rehearsed there. And uh, at Sewer Park. And, so they would rehearse outdoors, all the do out there. No, no, no. No. Oh, it, really? Okay, you, know, you You could get a room. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Had, the director over there was uh, Loban Gula. Mostly, and uh, he would always give us a room, not on us, but all the neighborhood guys. That's what we rehearsed at. Everybody that I know of, sometimes I would get a room by myself and just go in there and jam by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was so when you were with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. I don't mean to interrupt, but I was just curious what what part did you sing when you were singing doo wop? What uh, were you? Uh, you know, tenor, baritone. What were you? Uh, I could do tenor and baritone. Okay. First, second, okay. and with baritone. I, I still do that when I uh, sometimes when I record now when I overdub my voice, I can do all parts. That's uh, that. There's a song on uh, on one of my CDs, uh, on the nighttime CD, I believe it is. Uh, it's called 1959 Revisited. I'm doing all parts on it. On that one that's tune gonna, in particular. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and of course, uh, you, I don't know if you made music with him, but I know you were around him. What was it like to be around Curtis Mayfield? Well, that was a different time, uh, David. It was at the time okay. I met Curtis. I think it was 59, right after Jerry Butler had split from the group. Okay. And, and that's the impressions uh, we're talking about for people who don't know. Uh, you know, later Jerry became a big name, and uh, uh, VJ separated them, VJ Records, and uh, uh, like I said, they they lived within walking distance. He was down at uh, on Oak and Hudson at nine sixty six North Hudson. That's where he lived at in the row houses, because you, you had two types of row houses: one where you go up the steps to get in. One way you go down the steps, the bears were down. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, I was just a youngster, just everybody else talking about Curtis, and I met him and used to hang out. And we used to go to the same barbershop down Wells and um, Walton, Dreamland. Okay. Yeah. So then the progression, when did you uh, start concentrating more on guitar and blues? Well, that. <laughs> That's prior to coming to Chicago. Okay. I started that when I was like uh, nine years old. In Mississippi. Playing guitar and open tuning. Okay. And uh, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was, I might have been 10 years old. Nine or 10, you're both. 
uh, when a lady had loaned my mother her guitar, and my mother let me play it, and I played it, but you know I was playing to open tune it. I don't know what the hell I was playing. It was easy <laughs> because I never had lessons really, and uh, <laughs> I didn't realize you had different tunings until I went to another place and asked the guy to let me play his guitar, and I did. And I tried to do the same thing as I did in Overtune, and I had a, it was a, <laughs> I had a root of what you heard. It wasn't the same. Yeah, you do, you got to tune those things, you know, those valves up at the top. You know? so, so I didn't know nothing about that tuning. I learned that so, later. But wow. Yeah, so uh, I used to play, though, uh, uh, when I was like about 18, I used to do like folk music. I used to play at, uh, 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 they gave me a night at the Fickle Pickle. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, no, no, you're too young to remember that. Mike Bloomfield's place, right? Huh? Wasn't that Mike Bloomfield's that Mike Bloomfield's club where he booked it? I hear the names, but I didn't know who the guy was, man. I was just a young oh, Okay. And uh -huh. I remember talking to him, and I remember him saying, I never did get his name. I remember okay. him saying, so yeah, we're putting together a blues group. I said, what? Yeah. And I thought it was odd. I said, a white boy playing the blues? It's a damn. Yeah, he could play them too, man. Along yeah. with those other white boys, Muscle White. And, uh, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, that was, that was uh, it was Mike Bloomfield, Paul Butterfield, Charlie Muscle White, uh, who, Sam Lay was in that band. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, was on base, I forget. But you know, that's Paul Butterfield Blues Band who totally changed yeah. the history for everybody. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, opened up doors for the guys coming up from Mississippi in the South and opened up the ears of all the white kids out there to hear blues. I mean, it was like game changing. Yeah, so, they yeah. Could. yeah, they could. Yeah, they could. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, so when did when did you start, though, really concentrating on the blues in Chicago when you were up here? Uh, you know, believe uh, it or I'm, not, uh, Dave, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm a late bloomer in that because before that, I was like doing a lot of R and B. I started with the blues. The first blues song I played was, uh, I think it was by was Frank and Lee or Frank and Sam, somebody. Hallucinate Blues. My money woman, boom, 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 that tune. And okay. uh, uh, that was the first tune. And this was back in the 50s. And I didn't really take the guitar to serious. I put it down for some years. It just was a front man uh, on the vocals. Right. Right. And, and uh, uh, I did that with with the medallionaires. I did that. It was just a vocal group. And then later in the sixties, like when I uh, met Jeff Beck in sixty sixty five, hmm. uh, 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 I, I with a group called the Fantastic Epics. Okay. Who, who later became Rasputin Stash. I remember them. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I'm still oh. in touch. I'm still in touch with Paul Coleman. Matter of fact, he's always sending me something. Uh almost every day. He's sending me something. So what was the one tune? You recorded uh, a forty five. You recorded a forty five under Jimmy Burke. And it has kind of become a cult 45 over in Europe. I mean, you were telling me something about it going on eBay for some well, outrageous breaks. That was a what surprise. Was that? Uh, not cutting you off, but now what happened with that tune? Uh, I did that tune in the, about 70, 71 called I Really Love You. And I did it with a guy by the name of... Uh, Clarence Johnson, who was once a member of the Shylights. Okay. You see, all of us knew each other, and uh, Marshall and all of them. We go back. 
mm-hmm. the teenager. They're older than me now, only by a few years. Because uh, I was like a youngster. I was like 16, 17. They were like 18, 19, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, but I, that tune, what happened when we recorded it, they supposed to have been placed it with somebody. In other words, with a a regular uh, label, record label. And, okay. and, and, and later, I didn't realize, nobody told me, that they, that they had put it with somebody and it, and it had been a hit in Europe. That's how, I be, that's how I became a collector's item. Wow. And for a minute there, it was going for like, uh, I don't know what it's going for now. It was going for like $6,000. Whoa. Damn. <laughs> not, I, I need a I need a yeah, single to go for that. I didn't have any copies because it was an English DJ by the name of uh, Mark Bignall told me about it, and, and and at that time it had been it had it had been a hit for t- like twenty years prior to that. <laughs> wow, yeah, man. So you, you don't even have a copy of that, do you? I had a few. Okay, so, you know I, I mean I re- I recorded so many records. That they didn't do anything. You have to remember, most of my success came as far as making money with blues. Mm-hmm. Right. Because 45s, I never, out of all of the 45s I recorded, I never did them live. It was always lip singing. And record mm. with Herb Kent, uh, uh, Purvis fan and all of them and Lucky right. you know, VON guys and other guys like that. And that's what we did. I, I appeared with a lot of people with Smokey. Uh, and we were all doing the same thing. You, you know, you lip sing your song. You so you go up and perform your song, but you're lip singing to your own yeah, that's track. What you did because you didn't have no band. Hmm. Right. I mean, I even appeared with, uh, I don't know if you remember this girl. She's probably old now because she was older than me at the time. Well, I'm going back to 59. Anita Bryant. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, I, I can't picture that show. But and, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. we were on the same record album. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with my group at the time. Yeah. Why did why hey hey Jimmy, it's Mike. I'm gonna chime in real fast. Why why do you think that is? Because you recorded so many of these records and you're touring and you're doing all this stuff and but you didn't really start to make any money until you really started doing the blues. Is it just because the record labels owned all the rights to everything and they were they were just, you know, keeping you in the dark on stuff or what was Well, that's just the way it was. Uh I mean, we all have a story and just about everybody out here can tell you a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's I, mean, true. I, I recorded for uh, Lennon Kravis's uncle. Oh no, kidding! Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Back in '68 <laughs> or '69, uh, you know the family name is Roca. Mm. Hmm. From the Bahamas. Yep. Okay. And uh, 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 I recorded the tune. People thought I was Tyrone Davis. Yeah. No, with Tyrone had recorded the stuff uh, uh, previously, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, that's what it was. Uh, they, uh, everybody got a story to tell how we did something that didn't get paid for. Yeah. That's, that's the nature yeah. of the beast. Uh, sure is. It, it, it actually carried on for quite a while. It, it, it hasn't stopped in, in right now, but I mean, the whole hip-hop thing came out of house music and all the house guys were totally ripped off and, uh, the blues guys were um you know and not to mention things like elvis stealing big mama thornton's song and getting a hit and stuff like that i mean it's never been a, a even game you know and uh that's one of the reasons that there's no record companies anymore they kind of yeah. caught up with them <laughs> yeah that's that's hard no record yeah. companies and no record shops that's true too. That's right. That's yeah, right. I can remember when that was a big thing. Record shops. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, I was I was reading about you know when when Bob Kester um, 
found you at Smoke Daddy, as you mentioned before, and then your first recording on Delmark Records like became a hit, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, it just did. took it off. Did. I mean, I, could you even see that coming back then? I mean, it's like you probably no. were happy to be on Delmark at that point, and all of a sudden it became a hit. That's amazing. Well, it was a thing where I never really tried to be a hit uh, you know, like not going out of my way, you know, right. I never, not going out of my way and I'm happy for it, but no, I didn't see that coming and I was surprised and wasn't disappointed when it didn't happen again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that really, well, that really like blew. Said, that, 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 I've been out here since, uh, professionally and secular music since 1958 or 59 and then gospel mm -hmm. music before that mm -hmm. as a kid but I never did do no recording in, in gospel but I did uh, I did my first record when I was 16 which was never released but it's on uh, Delmark uh, uh, CD uh, I think it's the nighttime CD mm. it is 1959 Revisited yeah. Okay. All right. That's a great CD. Yeah. yeah. The, the original name was Two Months Out of School. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that because you were two months out of school, probably, right? Well, we were talking about the you know, school vacation. Yeah. Yeah. And, right, right. And at the time, I thought I was going to be, uh, that's why I don't get excited now. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, I thought I was going to be a big star and be like other guys. I remember seeing, like I told you when I did the show with with Anita Bryant and I, and, and D. Clark was on that show. You remember D. Clark, the raindrops. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He had a bunch of other stuff, and I remember him. And he wasn't that much older than me, but I was born in '43. He was born in the late '30s, I think. Mm -hmm. And he he was a guy with a. Uh, he came to the. He came to the set with in a, in a Cadillac and a, and a pretty girl, and I and I, I wanted to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that, was, that was sixty years ago. <laughs> well, it's interesting too because I mean, you know, you're talking about that whole era. I mean, that's that's when uh, what we call now the South Loop, but that was that was uh, Motor Row and Record Row and everything was pop, and you must have been in the middle of all that, right? I remember the record companies down there. Mm -hmm. I remember I, I remember going down to Chess Records because one time uh, Curtis played behind us. This was with my group, mm, okay. the vocal group. And uh, I remember as a solo artist uh, hanging around Wonderful Records, which was uh, uh, Ernie Lena. And they had right. the Duto Shake a Tail Feather and yeah. Al Barrage and McKinley Mitchell and all of them. Betty Everett at the right. time. And uh, also hanging around King Records. They had a subsidiary here. That's when I met uh, Sonny Thompson. Hmm. You know, Sonny was Freddie King's uh, road manager, and he was something like an AR man. And uh, 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 and he was married to Lou Reed, but they were she was the first to do drown in my own tears. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lou Reed, Lula Reed. And then she and Freddie did some stuff together, and I was going to record uh, some stuff by them earlier, but the record company didn't want to do it uh, on the next CD. So that's that's another story. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, but yeah, I met a lot of people down there. I never go to. I never hang around VJ, but that was the. You didn't. Before, or you yeah. Did. Yeah. That was a black company before Motown. Right. right. And that's where the Beatles did uh, Sherry. Not the Beatles. Uh, 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 Frank, 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 Frank Valley now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sherry. And big Girls Don't right. Cry. And oh, they recorded it. He recorded it there. 
Frankie Valley and the Four yeah, Seasons. Yeah, with oh. the Black Company. Yeah. They came, yeah. And the Beatles. Yeah, okay, records. With them. Right. Nothing, nothing ever happened with it. They didn't get, they didn't get hot until they got with Capital. Mm-hmm. But you know, but you know, now let me shut up and let you guys ask questions. Or whatever. <laughs> this is yeah, great. hey man, you're doing fine. You don't have to shut up. <laughs> this is a great talk. <laughs> um, you know, back then, I mean, that was before my time by a little bit, by a bit. Um, in fact, I I saw the decline of chess records. I I saw when I went into kind of into hibernation um you know and and i always wondered about how, what it was like to be on you know south michigan south Wabash at that time and you know uh, it must have been electric man it really must have been i mean well, everyone I was, was down there i was at both places dave uh, you know they moved from there to over by uh more uh what a little bit northeast hmm. okay off of 22nd with the new building. Right, right. The right. plant and all of that over there in the studio. So, I'm did sorry. you ever hang the Cobra records? Cobra? Otis did all this stuff? Cobra, I remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember Cobra quite well. Tell us about Cobra. Not a lot of people know about it. Well, Cobra had, uh, I think it was Magic Sam and Otis. Right. Right, I, I, I remember that, but I never had no dealings with him. Hmm. And by okay. reading about it, this was at a time when Willie had a falling out with uh, Willie Dixon, that is, had a falling out with Chess Records, and he went over to right. Cobra Records out on the west side, if I'm not mistaken. And according right. to what I've read, I don't I don't know this firsthand. I'm just about what well, Cobra was a subsidiary of Chess. But it was run totally independently. I don't think it okay. was. I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I don't think it was that house Okay. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. there was some cuts out of there with Matthew Good Sam and, uh, you know, Otis Rush that are just iconic. I mean, they really are uh, seminal to all of all of the Chicago Blues sound. I mean, of course, Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon are too. But, you know, when you get to the raw stuff, uh, Otis and Magic Sam are pretty much where it's at, at least for me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just talking about his opinion. You but, know, uh, uh, I met Muddy at Chess. Really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, back when I was down there auditioning, I met Muddy and Chuck, Chuck Berry. Oh. Wow. Because <laughs> they, they were both driving, uh, I think they might have been 58 or 59 Cadillacs. And I remember Muddy had a powder blue, and Chuck had something like a hot pink. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why. And uh, they I were both, they were both very gracious. And well, they, I hung out with Chuck back in '64 in Old Town one night because they had had. Um, a show out at Comiskey Park and some shit broke out uh, and and they canceled it. Really? Yeah, yeah. that was the first time I remember seeing Sam Cooke, Stevie Wonder. Wow. And uh, Sam got killed the same year in mm-hmm. December of 64. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Stephen was just a kid, of course. Right. And uh, Chuck never to get a chance to go on because they they canceled it. So I was I used to hang out down in Old Town because because that, that, that's my area. That's where I. That's where you grew up. That's where I grew up at. Yeah. You know, right. up and down Well Street there, and uh, I don't know why people take all blacks from the South Side. <laughs> I never on the south side of my life. No. There's a lot of misconceptions about black Chicagoans <laughs> yeah. across the board. A lot. Yeah. No, but um, I, when I went to school in Old Town, it was a, a monitor at the, you know, up there on the corner there, and all of that. And because uh, uh-huh. I know I was talking to you once about the street, you, you corrected me on it. What 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 did I say? Gothic or whatever it was. Oh, Gerda. I can't remember. Gertha. 
Good but we call it Gothi. Right. That's <laughs> what it looks like when you look at it. That's what it says. But it's Gertha. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's Gertha. Right now. <laughs> and then yeah. Gertha. That's what street is that? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you pretty amazing to... uh, writer. <laughs> but me and Sammy Fender went to school up there together. Sammy Fender. Two towns wow. West Gertha. Yeah. Red Cross. Yeah. Is, I'm going to ask this because I don't know, and it's kind of personal, but is Sammy still around? Somebody told me that Sammy is in a nursing home. Okay. Because him and my brother, the same, they graduated the same day. This was in 1957. Okay. So, so how old would Sammy be? 79 now, huh? 79? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen him for a long time. I didn't know if he had passed away or moved out of town or what? I haven't heard yeah. anything about it, David. Uh, okay. Then. Not, but, you know, we all got to go. No, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, wow. That's a lot of, uh, lot of information, Jim. Uh, you know, I love hearing this stuff. I do. You know. Well, um, it's, uh, that's where I met uh, Wayne Bennett up there. Wow. In the 60s. Because I didn't know who he was. And, and later I found out he played on a lot of Chicago recordings. And then he ended up with Bobby Bland because I knew Harold Barrage. I didn't know. I used to do shows with Harold because Harold used to hang with uh, Otis Clay and uh, sure. Tyrone Davis. It was, it was, it was a three. Right, that old circle. They, 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 they hung out together. They always. Yeah, they did. You saw yeah. one, you saw the other. There used to be a place on the west side called. Uh, Curly's on uh, Hummin and Madison. And uh, uh, my my brother played there with John Lee. My brother was John right. Lee again, you know, because they first got together in 48. Right. Well, the people don't know out in the audience that your brother played with John Lee Hooker. So, yeah. you know, uh, how long did he play with John Lee? Well, he, he played with him from about. 48 up until about 52. And then I think what's his name came in, my buddy. Uh, hmm. Wow, Eddie. Yeah. I, I met Eddie at my brother's house up in Detroit one year. Eddie was a nice guy. I loved Eddie. Eddie was a sweet guy and kind of a. He would uh, go on the road, station wagon. And he had everything you need. He had he could set up camp out of there. I don't know how he packed it all into the station. He told me about it. It was crazy. It was crazy. Man. He had so much stuff. You know, you know, he, he he could work on cars. Oh yeah. And he didn't buy nothing he couldn't that that he couldn't work on. Right, right. Somebody right. said he could carry engines around. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, there were a couple guys that could do that. You know, Jimmy Dawkins, uh, Albert King. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, they could just take the Dawkins that well. I was in Japan with him in 2000, 2001. Him and my brother. And yeah. a piano player by the name of, uh, uh, maybe you heard of him. Nat Dove. No, I didn't know that. He he played with everybody. BB, Freddie. He's still around. I hear from him just about every day. Um, and, you know, uh, on the Maxwell Street scene or, or hanging at uh, the Fish Place, you know, and all the guys like Johnny Little John and uh, Nighthawk and those guys. Oh, Johnny, you ever... Johnny Little John, you say? Did you say Johnny Little John? I did say Johnny Little John. Yeah. Yeah, John. Johnny was a great mechanic. I like He's Johnny. He's a great guy. Yeah, I man, Johnny. Yeah. He was a good mechanic. Huh? Talk about, he was a great mechanic. Talk about a guy who could take a part of the engine. You know, he was really good. If my memory serves me well. I don't, I don't remember everything. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. Johnny, well, I like Johnny. Yeah. He was a good man. Yeah. Did you know Robert Nighthawk? Nighthawk, I didn't know him. I met his son. Uh, what was his name? He he lived down at my father's home in Lula, Mississippi. Okay. Uh, uh, 
I met him. What was his name? He, Nighthawk used to like my sister, my older sister. Okay. Uh, but she was a young girl. But you know, that's the way it was in the country. Old men like them young girls. Has <laughs> <laughs> that changed? <laughs> well, that's all over the world, though. But, yeah, it's a different world. It's a different world. Yeah. For sure. Probably better now. But, uh, you know, so, no, I yeah. didn't know him. You know, what's amazing, at, at the time from like the 50s to the beginning of the 70s, there were like these little groups of artists. You know, you got Tyrone and Otis over here. You got Nighthawk and Johnny Little John over here. You know, you just Muddy and Buddy and Willie you know, were there. You know, it's like different little groups that that were responsible for so much music of blues and R&B, but they, they were like subgenre. Right. Yeah, I don't want to get too crazy with this, but, you know, so many, and then with Record Row, there was so much represented here in Chicago, and it was just, uh, I don't know, you know, when I came, I came on it at, at the end of it, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, and even what I saw just totally amazed me. The amount of talent, blues. You know what I was also what I remember about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. I'm just trying no, to. No, I'm just going to say also. You what I remember about South Michigan Avenue. It was like Motor Road too, because that's where they had a lot right. of dealerships at. Yep. Right. I remember that when I first got yeah. here. I used to walk a lot, and that's how I learned the city. You know, don't forget, I was so happy to get in Chicago. I had been wanting to get here, you know, out of the cotton field, because even though I got here when I was 12, I, I took to it like Grant took to Richmond. And uh, and I lived in a, a odd part of Chicago, as far as a black person was concerned, because I was like next to uh, the Gold Coast. Right. To the east, downtown to the south, is everybody called where well, I lived in North Oak Woods. They call that downtown now. But we didn't call it that at the time. And then to the west, you had uh, you had uh, 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 Cabrini Green. And right. then, and then it, it changed. They were tearing down when I first got here in '65 for the high rises. So I think right. that was that was like uh, like an old Italian neighborhood, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, kind of the, the near west side of the loop was also Ukrainian, and it was also yeah, Russian, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, right. there there was a lot of Europeans there. And the old it, town it, was like really uh, used to be a German area at one time, right? right That's where Weissmuller right. was from, and uh, Frank and Lane, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Taylor Street wasn't always a fancy, nice place to live. It was Italian, but it was like the Italians just coming over on the boat. And Maxwell Street was half Jewish and half black. You know, I mean, the, the city actually... Yeah, you got to remember that, me coming from the South. I didn't know about different ethnicities. It was just white, okay. and white and Chinese, some Mexicans. And now when you look at it... Uh, the whole thing to change. I had never heard of oh, yeah. Ukrainians and never seen a Japanese or you see them in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you, you, you saw the standard people who was probably predominantly uh, Irish, German, Scotch, English or whatever. I didn't know that at the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't know. I just, I didn't know. And, uh, Filipinos and Puerto Ricans and right, and like, you know, this, huh? This brings up something that I want to ask about something you you dove into, um, maybe years or six. So you started tracing your roots, huh? and I've been tracing your own heritage. Do you remember that? Uh, I'm proud of that. I'm yeah. I'm intrigued by that. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, I, mine. I got it now because, see, to be honest with you, I've never liked the word African-American. I never liked that word. 
because okay. you dumping in the whole continent. You don't hear Germans saying I'm European American. I tell you, saying I'm, I'm, I'm European American. A Greek saying it, they mentioned the country. Mm. Right. So right. now I can say I'm Nigerian. I'm okay. Angolian. And on my other side, Cameroon. Well, that, right that's there, there you West go. West Africa. And uh, 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 I can even mention to tell you the tribe uh, with the Nigerians. It's the Ebos mm. from the Afro-Islands. Oh. I'm, I'm so proud of that. That must have been a hell of a journey searching out your lineage. Yeah, you know, I mean, yes. I remember when you were doing it, and every it's like every month you come up with something else about it. And it was like you were on this treasure. And you were on a treasure, on your own personal treasure. You know, uh, it was very cool, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm proud of that. You know, it cost me some money, but I don't care. Well, what's money for? It's to fulfill life. You know, you know I spent about five hundred dollars. That's not so bad. <laughs> no, no, I didn't care. You know, because now yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. and, That's great, man. Because uh, I never believed all that other stuff that they that they taught. See, I'm. I'm a funny guy, man. I've been reading black history most of my life. I don't went back like almost 6,000 years with black history, all the way back to Africa and Egypt and stuff. And uh, it's real deep. And, and so you know about Queen Khalifa, right? Queen who? Queen, Queen Khalifa? Were they named California after? The black queen that uh, came with the Moors uh, to California before people step out of this? No, I don't know about her, but I know about the Moors in Europe and Spain and right. Italy. They were there well, the for Moors, yeah. years. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's something you might want to read about. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyways. Like, like we're, we're giving, yeah. Hannibal came out of like, like Northeast Africa. They had like up out of uh, Carthage, which is now modern-day Libya. There you go. Mm -hmm. You know, Americans take so much for granted. To think of a continent as large as Africa being one country or just being all the same. You know, I've been to Africa and the different in the country. Well, a lot of people don't know. Right. What you'll find out, a lot of people don't know the uh, difference between race, in nationality. Like they'll say, well, no, he's not this. Or, well, well, I'm Puerto Rican. Well, Puerto Rican is a nationality, not a race. Mm -hmm. under, right. that national, under that nationality, you got on like, like us. In the United States of America, we all share a common nationality because we're from this one nation. But we don't all share the same racial background. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they don't know. That they, that's what they get mixed up. It's like to get slum and ghetto mixed up. Slum is substandard yeah. housing. Ghetto is, don't have to be no one raised, but it's, it's predominantly one group of people, and it comes from Warsaw, Poland. Right, well, yeah, ghetto. Matter of fact, I was in Poland yeah. last year, and I went to uh, to the, uh, uh, what, what's the name of it? Uh, 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 the concentration the camp. Huh? I can't remember which one was it. Was uh, Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. Auschwitz. Yeah, I was there. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Man. I was in Poland a little bit better than a year ago. Were you playing over there? I mean, that's when you were touring, yeah. right? Well, I was playing with a guy, a friend of mine in uh, uh, Katowice, uh, Poland. Playing harp and guitar with him, uh, yeah. Well, that's, so, and that's one of those great things because you know, and 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 we're getting a we're getting close to the end of the show, so I want to bring it back a little bit into the music thing and just touch on it. But yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. You know, it, you've been talking about some incredible stuff, and I know everybody watching is just totally digging it. So I'm glad you've been talking about this stuff because this is history. This is like you're talking about knowing all of these different musicians, all of these different eras of music, and you know, you're talking about your 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 passion to find out about 
you know, where you came from and, and, and all of that as well. But, um, you know, the other thing is, is that, um, I got Dave, Dave Katzman must've, uh, lost the connection. So it's you and me here for a second here, Jimmy. So, <laughs> but, but, um, but, uh, you know, the the thing that is fascinating, I don't think a lot of people understand this, is that because of all the stuff that you were able to do playing wise, you're able to go tour and you're able to go connect with all of these different cultures and you being very interested in learning about all these different cultures. It has to be fascinating to be able to tie everything together, because like what you said, you went to Auschwitz because you were touring in Poland. So you're able to go experience these things because of your music, right? Yeah, because. Believe me, man, I was I was a very, very ignorant guy. And a lot of people get mad at that word, but that just simply means untaught, unlearned, uninformed. Right, right, right. Because I, I used to see people look like me and talk different. I said, this guy, he ain't no black guy. Said, That's how ignorant I was. I didn't know. Until later... When I read Malcolm X, I put it together. Now, when I see white people, I put all of us together. Because mm -hmm. I only associated the slave trade with the United States. But the United States was a small percentage, according to Brazil and other places, right. the Caribbean and all of that. I'm sorry, but go ahead. I just had to put that in. No, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, but it's, it's fascinating to me because if somebody is – is as you know curious and and constantly studying as you are on all these other subjects and then to be able to be able to play and have those experiences to be able to go and meet people throughout the entire world and really even learn the culture and get really ingrained in the culture because you know when you're playing a gig and I think a lot of people don't understand this but when you're playing a gig you're there but you're in a town or maybe you're traveling from town to town if you're in Europe and you're really inside the culture differently than if you're a tourist because you're dealing with locals. You're dealing with maybe a local, you know, local band backing you up or you're dealing with the local club owners and you're inside of the scene and you're meeting people that are appreciative of your music and they probably want to hang out with you afterwards. So you're able to see a lot of different parts of a lot of these different cities and continents as opposed to being just a tourist. Right. Because you're able to really get ingrained in, in those cultures. Oh man, I'm telling you, I was in like, like last year. I've I'm in Russia twice. Mm -hmm. I love Russia. Uh, I was in Israel for the first time. I love Israel. That was nice. I didn't realize it was uh, it was so hot. I mean, my God, it was hot. This was like late May, late May, early June. Mm -hmm. But I was in Tel Aviv, and and right right there on the Mediterranean, and they reminded me of. Uh, Oak and Michigan Avenue with, with, Lake, with Lake Michigan yeah, being across yeah. the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, they have beautiful beaches and everything. You wouldn't think that if you're thinking of Israel, you're thinking of it a little bit differently. But yeah, and, and the heat and the climate is, is totally different. Right? Yeah, they told me, they said, this is the desert. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. It's something else a lot of people don't realize. Israel is in Asia. Hmm. Not 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 Europe. It's in Asia. That's why. In another yeah. word, that's an, that's an, that's another word they they misuse. They called everybody with slanted eyes Asian. Mm hmm. Arab Asian, Indian Asian, that's African Asian. Any any matter on Asian continent. Man, that's a, <laughs> we're getting quite a lesson here, man. We're getting the music history and and uh, no, well, let me shut up and let you guys carry on what you're doing. No, no well, you know what? We're gonna wrap it up because I, I lost Dave because Dave's phone went sideways and um, I can't get him back on. Actually, let me let me let me see what I can do. Let me let me try let me try one. <laughs> this has never happened before on the show, so stand by one second, Jimmy. I'm gonna put you on hold. No, I'm, and going I'm, I'm gonna lock dave in so we're going to bring dave katzman back on to bring him back on live here on the show we've never done this before trying to trying to connect back in we lost dave all right now we got dave i'm going to merge everybody together again and jimmy are you there absolutely and dave i'm here all right we brought you, you back yep we brought you back for the <laughs> final wrap-up I, yeah, I just I wanted to get into that conversation. That was going really good, dude. <laughs> well, I love it. I, I probably talked too much. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Never. But, 
Hey, why don't we wrap this up, Dave? You got anything else? Jimmy, actually, why don't why don't I bring this up before I turn it over to Dave? You know, during COVID and during all this stuff, I'm sure you're hunkered down a little bit, but are, are you uh, able to connect with people? Are you doing any live stream stuff or Facebook things or anything? Because I know your your Facebook page is facebook.com slash Jimmy Burns. I do a streaming thing every Saturday at 4, at 4 p.m. Okay. I'm, I'm doing. I'm streaming tomorrow at 4. Right off your Facebook. Well, that, that's that's very cool. Two, and I'm on two, four. right. Right, yeah. you get Jimmy Johnson, then you get Jimmy Burns. How, how yeah, for an afternoon, Saturday afternoon, it's the best there is. <laughs> Jim is one of my favorites. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you remember, you remember the times we've been on stage together, all of us, and well, that, uh, it's just, it's been well, a ball. I've been a fan of yours since '64. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, Dave, you, you yeah. got you got anything else for Jimmy? Because we we've already been on for fifty minutes. I, I really don't. I've just enjoyed. <laughs> I've just really enjoyed talking. That's all I can say to you. It's always a guest to talk to you. You know that. Um, I've got an anniversary dinner. I've got to cook, so <laughs> I got to wrap this up. And. Uh, <laughs> Well, hey, Jimmy, yeah. it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate it. Of course, everybody head over. I've got the link below, jimmyburnsband.com, but all the current stuff and his live stream show is on Facebook, so head over to facebook.com slash jimmyburns. You'll find him tomorrow at 4 p.m. And, uh, man, it's been a pleasure. I can't wait to catch up with you actually in person, but this has been fun. Well, I really appreciate you. you sharing all your stories with us. This has been a blast. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, 100%. All right. Thank, yeah, Jim, it's good. Thanks, thanks, thank Jimmy. You, Jim. Take care. Thank you. Okay, talk to you soon. All right, Jimmy Burns. Dave, that was a great interview. And the first thing ever, uh, uh, it, it never happened before, we lost Dave Katzman in the middle of it, and I was able to merge you back in. So there you have it. Now I am so glad that, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so glad about that. Now it's your uh, anniversary, so you need to get off the phone that, because you need to go start cooking right. and go hang out with your, your wife, Amy. So I'm going to let you go do that because nobody needs to sit here okay. and, and listen to me babble anymore. So I will, I will say goodbye to Great you for show. now, and then we'll be back on in in uh, I think in two weeks, we're going to start the Blues and Beyond show. We might announce a new day for that. So he and Dave and I are going to talk about that. But no, the 14th, we've got, who do we have? Nick Moss, right? Nick Moss, yes. Nick Moss. So we'll yes, be we on do. the 14th of August, and then we might change the date after that. So, of course, we'll make all these announcements next week and the week after. All right. Happy anniversary. Say hi to sure. Amy and go chill Thank out. You. All right. Thanks, Dave. I'll talk to you soon, Mike. All right. You have a great night. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Wow. We had we had quite a show, man. Holy cow. Hopefully everybody really dug that entire interview. And of course, there's a lot there. So you're gonna be able to go back and archive this. Of course, all the information's up on Chicago Music Reveal.com. It'll be up on Facebook, all that good stuff. And uh boy, I just hope everybody has a great weekend. Everybody stays safe, everybody stays healthy. Thanks again to Jimmy John Jimmy Burns. I cannot believe the great stories he was telling today. It was an honor to have him on. And thanks to Dave Katzman, as usual. So hopefully everybody stays safe. Everybody stays healthy. Everybody stays away from each other. Everybody wears a mask. If you like what you hear, please tell your neighbors, tell your family. Call the grandkids, Chicago Music Reveal. We will be back here Monday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Everybody stay safe. And I will see you on the next broadcast.